You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 348, we're discussing the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer, Oscar nominations, and DCU anticipation. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. You guys can start calling me the 2023 box office champ if you would like, because that's exactly where I'm going with my slate of films I picked up last week. Carlos, as the former champion... You have any comments on that? Hey, ain't nothing over till it's over. <laughs> and uh, I think you overplayed your hand with uh, with some of those picks there. So when uh, when the three ladies of the Marvels can't uh, amount to the power that is the goddess of all Barbie, uh, we'll see who's la- who has the last laugh and is holding the golden Spidey. We certainly will, and we can't count out our good friends from Vigilante 1939 that brought their game, brought the heat last week. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, head back one episode either in the podcast feed or jump over to our YouTube channel, and you can see our 2023 box office fantasy draft that we did last week that leads directly into the 2023 box office fantasy pool where we each chose five different movies. We're competing for the illustrious golden statue, which Carlos has held in his household for the better part of three years, I believe, now being back-to-back champion over the pandemic. We're here competing. The fists are out. The gloves are off. And it's going to be one hell of a year. And I'm really looking forward to it. So I'd love if you guys went back and checked that out. But Carlos, we got to keep moving forward here, man. It's slow January. January is traditionally a slow month in nerd. All the topics we cover. But... We do have a new Mandalorian trailer, season three dropping here in the early part of March. We just got the Oscar nominations today. And the DCU, James Gunn's promised a little bit of something in January here. So we're going to briefly talk about what we think he could be bringing to the table before we get that giant announcement. We're not going to break down and make all these things because you know what? James Gunn, is he's got the key to the kingdom there. And he's going to be the one that tells us, not us. And we're just going to reflect back on that a little bit. But Carlos, man. You excited for another week in January, another week in Nerd? This is probably our last grace period from the weather here in Calgary as it's been fairly warm. But I guess as the comic world and the movie world heats up, it's going to be cooling off here in Calgary. Yeah, it sounds like we have a cold week coming up here. Yes. But uh, yeah, there will be lots of fun stuff to keep us occupied and inside for a few days before it warms up again. But uh yeah, and one of those things that can keep us occupied and warmed up is that Mandalorian trailer, Whew. which <laughs> a person could watch over and over and over again because that thing is rife with Easter eggs. Not that I know what any of them are, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, yeah, as a person kind of sitting a little bit on the outside of it and trying to minimize how much I bug my kid about what's what uh, on the screen. Lots of amazing visuals, lots of familiar types of Mm -hmm. designs and characters, but uh, ones that we haven't met yet or know exactly what they're all about, but familiar alien races or um, clans within the Mandalorian culture and whatnot. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. The trailer 
I think it was pretty purposeful in not revealing its hand too much. And I suspect a lot of what we saw is from the first two episodes, maybe. Agreed. But uh, if that is what the case is, then we're in for a pretty special and another fantastic season of Mando. Yeah, I think the nice thing with these trailers is that they are now just purely relying on the presence of the Mandalorian Grogu to drive people in and not having to reveal a whole bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, you got like Babu Frick, that species in there and mm-hmm. you got Coruscant. And of course you got that, that blink and you'll miss Jedi moment in there and lots of speculation on who's coming through that door, potentially Anakin, who knows if he filmed a little more there as he was doing Obi-Wan Kenobi, which would be pretty exciting. But I think, like you said, that this is probably from just the first couple episodes, and there's really nothing more in here that we weren't already familiar with from either the previous trailers or the previous season and a half, um, if you can call that that those couple episodes inside of Book of Boba Fett, the uh, 0.25 uh, season of The Mandalorian. So I like that they did that. They, you know, We knew he was going to Mandalore. He is the keeper now of the Darksaber. And we know there's going to be some interaction with with more Mandalorians. And it's going to be, I think, very Mandalorian heavy. But we did get some nice scenes there with Grogu kind of flexing his force muscles, if you will. And so I'm excited to see where this really goes and and how they can grow that relationship. Because at the end of season two, one of the things I kind of applauded them for was knowing when to break up Mandalorian and Grogu when that story had kind of played out. But we saw inside of Book of Boba Fett, spoilers, of course, them coming back together and a choice being made. And I'm I'm cool with that. I think that as long as they're progressing it and developing each character, but giving a bit more focus to Mandalorian and his story and the Mandalore part of it, I think it can be very successful. It's going to be wildly successful, and I think it's going to be awesome. But we they got to be careful not to be treading on the similar ground that they've already done the first two seasons. Yeah, and I don't think they will. No. Um, I, I I think it's setting itself up to be pretty heavily rooted in uh, the themes of kind of the Mandalorian religion, I guess, for lack of a better term, and the different sects that uh, are at play. And um, it, it's an opportunity to reinvent the show a little bit too yeah. and uh, move away from the masked up, faceless in the jar and so hopefully we can uh have him maybe cast off some of that more extreme uh version of mandalorian culture and maybe move to something a little closer to where bo katan is at but yeah I, i'm here for it i i'm curious to see where uh where they take him on his journey and how they evolve the character and and what happens with him mm-hmm. so speculation who's coming through the door the Jedi looks like a probably a flashback from Grogu and his time. I believe it was revealed in the book of Boba Fett. Was it that he was actually at the temple when Anakin, or maybe it was in season two when Anakin stormed there and was whacking down younglings and all that. So is it, is it Anakin coming through the door or is, is this just something different? Is this more of a, a Mandalorian Jedi war thing? Cause I think everyone's thinking clone wars, but there's also a history that was teased of the Jedi versus Mandalorian, like a war that had happened. Yeah, like I hope it's the Jedi versus the Mandalorians, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be uh, expanding on Grogu's story a little yeah. bit. And um, 
just the way that that scene was staged was pretty reminiscent of Order 66 getting played yep. out and whatnot. And they certainly planted the seeds for that with uh, his his time looking backwards with Luke and Book of Boba Fett. So um, that's what I think it is. But uh, my hope is that it's the a bit of the Mandalorian Jedi conflict and they've uh, they've teased that. So for all of us kind of lay folks out here, we got to see what the armor was talking about, about the Mandalore, the great going to battle with the waves of Jedi. I, I honestly, I'm going to put the, my prediction out there. I think that that was a purposeful misdirect inside of that trailer. And that that's the dark saber coming through that door. Cause you can kind of see that, that melting of the doors reminiscent of what we've seen in the prequel trilogy. And mm. so I think that would be really cool to explore that piece. So we can still do more Grogu stuff, but I think the Mandalorian piece of it is the important piece to explore. And what what bigger of a stage can you set than trying to show or at least reflecting back on a Mandalore versus Jedi war? Like that would be really cool. Yeah. Well, and there is like a Mandalorian Jedi, is there not? I think so. I'm not too versed in all of this stuff. Like this is definitely a blind spot for me when it comes to Star Wars. I might have to get Rick to jump on before March there and give us a bit of a breakdown and uh, and give us a lesson in in this piece of of Star Wars because it's definitely, like I said, a huge blind spot for me. Well, yeah, we can just get Rick and my kid to take over. I should, yeah. <laughs> should be able to tell yeah, us. We could exactly. just sit here and nod our heads. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Who's who in the zoo? But yeah. <laughs> if, if you do want to see Pedro Pascal's face, you can mm. tune in on Sundays and watch the absolutely amazing and filmed in Calgary uh, HBO Max series, The Last of Us. So this was a show that I was looking forward to quite a bit, having played and loved both the games and uh, obviously ha- had a bit of special hype build with just uh their cast and crew living in our city for uh, like there's a a tiktok where yeah he's talking about having been in the province for a year but uh yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and like um to see stuff like them walking over the fourth avenue flyover (laughs) to, to try and cross an infected area of the city in the last of us but uh to Despite knowing that and despite having friends take pictures from the office buildings around there of them setting up the sets and all that kind of stuff, that it, it they did such a good job of transporting you into the world of the game that I didn't even pick up on those things. And it wasn't until after the fact where my wife kind of made a couple comments about, yeah, I remember when so-and-so sent us those pictures and that's that's what they were filming that day was that scene and stuff. But um, they've done such a phenomenal job of realizing uh, the last of us. It's absolutely astounding. And it's a perfect balance of giving us a bit of new content. That's um, exclusively uh, something that the show is presenting to us for the first time and building out the characters a little more than the game allowed for. But then also there's sets and scenarios and setups that are ripped straight from the video game. Like when, um, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a, a 
moment where they have to employ a bit of stealth and that room is set up exactly the way the room right. was set up in the game with like where the furniture is and all that kind of stuff and so i've been thoroughly 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 impressed and our group of friends and listeners who mm-hmm. also played the game quite a bit um seem to be on the exact same page so HBO has a hit on their hands and viewership was really good for the first week and i guess the second week saw like a 21 percent jump that's uh, word of mouth <laughs> yeah in uh, the amount of people watching it the <laughs> sales of the game went up like something like 338 <laughs> percent um so yeah it, it seems like they have something that people are really latched on to. So I'm curious to see how far um, into the game they take season one and where they saw it off and kind of where they go from there and uh, the way the world is set up that if they need to get more seasons out, I'm sure we could just kind of have side branches to Ellie and Joel's story or even just see what his brother was doing at that time that we don't really get to see until after the fact. So yeah, there's... um, it's a pretty special show and I'm glad to see them knock it out of the park as thoroughly as they did. Yeah. Cause Hollywood has a, has had a difficult time in the past translating video games for whatever reason onto the big screen or small screen. And it's great to see all the hype around this. And like you said, I saw that online as well as just like this perpetual stream of positive commentary around the last of us. And I haven't watched it. I, I in the midst of a bit of, streaming service musical chairs as Crave has found itself on the outs right now as we've been trying to plow through some shows on a couple different streamers as we're trying not to gather up too many. I don't want to collect the entire Infinity Gauntlet worth of, of streamers. And so The Last of Us, unfortunately, is taking a back seat. But this hype around it, I kind of want to jump on this train. So i got to blast through, I guess, another couple episodes of 1923 from that whole Yellowstone universe pitch Paramount Plus and then uh, pick up uh, Crave for a couple months here, I guess. Because it, uh, it's hard to turn away. And something that's filmed locally here, Pedro Pascal, he's going to have a hell of a year here, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, well, and he gets all the FaceTime in this show. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, to go from celebrating things on the small screen in The Last of Us and the success there to celebrating things on the big screen. The Oscar nominations, my friend, came out today. And me being one of those people, as you would know, if you'd listened to our year-end review, I didn't watch a whole bunch of movies last year, but I've been closely following along with the likes of yourself and Nico and Zeddy with all the excitement surrounding the Oscars here. And I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty proud to say that, uh, or pretty happy to express here that Angela Bassett, of course, got that uh, that Oscar nom for was a supporting actress from uh, Wakanda Forever, which is pretty, pretty cool, man. If I do say so myself, the first, is it, she the first to get a nom? Um, our first female to get a nom for an acting category inside of a comic book movie, correct? Because did Chadwick Boseman get one or no? No, she's just the first MCU actor, period. Period. Oh, that's wild. A nomination. Yeah, yeah no, that was that was pretty cool. Like, you kind of saw it coming when she won the Golden Globe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it, like I posted online, like I, I think she's the first one to honestly deserve getting a nomination. Uh, out of the MCU, so you could see uh, that right from like as soon as she jumped onto the screen for the first time, in Wakanda Forever. You could almost see that like this is definitely like next level acting inside of this, right? And I don't want to take away from like there's there's it's acting in a comic book movie, and this just like the whole movie, but she, herself in particular, actually everyone in that movie elevated their game. 
um, inside of that. But she was just like, from that first speech that was in the trailer, you're like, this is something special. And she delivered it and it's being recognized, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for me, the the thing that had me cheering was like the eight Oscar nominations for Elvis, which I thought was yes. awesome. Yeah. Um, Austin and Butler. That it, yeah, and that it got a Best Picture nomination, so I was pretty pumped about that. Um, yeah, the the Batman getting Snuck three in, in the technical yeah. car- uh, categories, and I thought of you when I saw the sound design one because uh, yeah, I told you. <laughs> I remember when we were doing our year end review that you were gushing about the sound design on that movie. But uh, I said it would be crazy if it didn't get nominated for an Oscar for sound design or sound editing, however those, however you define both of those. But like it's un, it's unbelievable. Like you could just sit and listen to that guy walking in rain, and it was just like next level. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised that it didn't get nominated for cinematography or for. Uh, the score, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like for my money, I think it has the one of the best comic book scores ever. And uh, uh, like, I think it's in the conversation with Elfman for the best Batman score even. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. And the cinematography, too. Like, yeah, it's I think that's definitely a bit of a miss. Again, I, my my relative basic comparison is is pretty small, but. Yeah. It's a standout. And it was like by far and away the best thing that, that I saw last year. <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, it, it, it was pretty awesome, but yeah, no, like all in all, like uh, the Oscar nominations, I, I, I think they're pretty solid. Uh, I've seen most of the movies. Um, yeah. everything, except- everywhere, all at once got like 11 noms. Like it leads the pack. Yeah. It leads the pack. Um, yeah, I think I've seen pretty much everything except for the Fablemans and Tar. Did you see uh, Avatar 2? I did, yeah. You did see it? Okay. Yeah. DSK, tell me this. I haven't seen it. I'm like flabbergasted that it's like ticked over that $2 billion mark at the box office. It's done the same thing first Avatar did where it's just had like $40 million weeks ever since it, it debuted. It Does yeah, it like- deserve to be in that category? Like, honestly, like no, all jokes and... You know, me kind of giving this movie and this franchise shit for the past couple of years. Does it deserve to be there? Well, yeah, like obviously people like it. They they showed up. Like I saw it. Yeah, but that that using that as like your metric, then all the MCU movies should be there too. For like Endgame or whatever. You know what I mean? Like people liked it, but like is it good? Sorry, are you asking me about the the money side of it or are you asking me about the actual the Oscar best nom. picture nom the best picture nom? Like is it there? Because it's Avatar, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like I, I think I'd put it in the same category as I would Top Gun Maverick, in that I don't think it's as a refined piece of cinematic art as something like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Elvis or some of the other movies in the best picture category, but it's not that far behind them. Like, is is it better than Wakanda forever? Yeah. To be honest, it's very similar and it's a better made movie. Okay. Um, Okay. It's just, it's just when I see like in Top Gun, I haven't seen Top Gun, but it as being as anomalous as it is, like, sure. I can see that, that fitting in there. And I, I often wonder when I see, like if I were to ask the same question, if, 
like Endgame or something that was stuck into an Oscar. And I'm like, well, is, if, it, is if, it there uh, to get eyeballs on the Oscars? I'll or? take it. I'll take it back to your question. Like, is it better than pretty much all the MCU movies? Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay. Endgame, Infinity War, like those movies don't even get close. Like, quite frankly, it's there. It, it it's kind of there for the same reasons the original Black Panther was there, where like the original Black Panther was like the best of the blockbuster movies yeah. that came out. And it's one that kind of was in the zeitgeist and tons of people saw and lots of people um, paid their money over and over and over again to go see it. And people really enjoyed it, but was black Panther in the same category, like same league as La La Land or Moonlight? Yeah. No, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, when you have a bunch of rhinos running around at the end and stuff like that, it's it, it's hard to compare with some of the powerful things that happened at the end of the movie Moonlight. So um, yeah, I just was it. I guess is your you can't be objective here, like because then you see a movie like the Batman's not in there, right? I, I'm just trying to like gauge. Yeah, you, like I I because I'm often skeptical. The reason I ask is I'm often skeptical when I see stuff like that in the Oscar noms. Like, is this and we've talked about this lots before about the concept of recognizing the art of film and the art of cinema versus what maybe is it what the golden globes do where they have these kind of funny categories that allows them to like recognize and bring in like some of the MCU stuff or some of the DC stuff or star Wars or whatever, right. Where they're acknowledging blockbusters and the art and is, are some of the, some of these get stuck in there because like, you say the avatar being in the zeitgeist, it's been, it was in the zeitgeist for like eight minutes of, of 2022. Right. Um, well, I don't know. It's still making like, but where is this like, where's the cutoff for the Oscars? Is it, is it the year of 2022 or is it like February to February? uh, I think it's February to February, but uh, like, it still came out in 2022. Like, uh, Mm. like the, I'm not trying to, to put you on the spot here. I'm just kind of it's just Well, no, like to take a step back, like it it's extremely well acted. The the story while being something kind of conventional and plays on a lot of familiar beats, they do do a pretty good job of um making it fresh and using themes that we are struggling with and experiencing in the real world it's not really built to like obviously there's sequels that are planned and that are coming out from it but it it's not like with the mcu movies there's so many that are just a commercial for the next thing Mm -hmm. and that's not what avatar 2 is avatar 2 is the journey of this family um in the context of a siege of their world by these foreign forces who are um, ravaging it for resources and don't care about the indigenous populations and then how they survive and how they overcome the biases and conflicts within their own societies in order to come together for the good of all people and all species on their planet and stuff like that. So it has like pretty rich and deep themes. So just because it's a blockbuster, Mm -hmm. I don't think it can be totally discounted. 
and it's like the performances kind of get muddied a bit because they're obviously computer enhanced, like mm-hmm. pretty much all of them, but they are pretty um, profound. And then you watch like some of the motion capture stuff and it's like, I, I watched Kate Winslet doing her, her thing and she has a few emotional scenes and like, her performance is what would have been caught from a conventional camera, but it's been translated onto the face of a Navi. So yeah, like I, I do think it deserves to be there and just like the scope and scale and spectacle of it. Um, it, like it, it far surpassed a lot of other things that we've seen. And like, um, and like honestly, like Wakanda Forever, notwithstanding, like it blows everything else that we've seen out of the MCU okay. away. So I'm digging like, it. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to use MC. I know I'm an MCU fanboy, but I'm not. I'm just trying to like kind of gauge that because again, I have these personal bias towards Avatar that maybe are unfounded, and I need to revisit. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm, I'm like for our show, like Ian's obviously the the Avatar super fan kind of thing, but um. Yeah, I went and saw it like kind of when the holiday season uh, gave me a window, and yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, and Makes it was a cool. totally packed house considering it had been out for a week or two by that point in time. When I saw it, at, like a weird time, like a Tuesday, well, not even like a Wednesday morning or something. And it was <laughs> like I got the last two seats. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And what else is impressive is Zoe Saldana has been in four two billion dollar movies like that's insane Both yeah first and game and infinity war she needs to buy her uh agent a rolls royce yep <laughs> she does <laughs> yeah well and speaking of movies and people that buy uh their lawyers and agents and people of that nature rolls royces my boy mj is getting a biopic so no Jack- freaking way yeah, so the Michael Jackson estate officially announced that uh, they're doing a biopic with Lionsgate, and Sony will obviously have to have some skin in the game, uh, being the folks that own his catalog. But um, yeah, um, it's been officially announced. The producer and the writers from Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. will be crafting the story. And like a lot of people take a dim view of Bohemian Rhapsody, but I actually just look at the audience yeah the audience that it captured that didn't grow up with that music wasn't around at that time it made a ton of money that means it wasn't just seen by people um in their like 60s 70s and 80s like it, it ended up catching fire a little bit and introducing itself to a whole new generation of fans and that's what really gets me excited about them being the guys to guide a michael jackson biopic like and even like elvis like people are going crazy for elvis right now and Mm -hmm. um i I think it's a great way to keep legacies alive and move them forward and stuff i do wonder like with elvis it's a long and really dense movie but his career was like 25 ish years yeah Whereas Michael's is like 45-ish years and the estate said they're not shying away from anything and they're going to um, tackle any controversy that came his way, like plain as day, but they're not going to shy away from a lot of the allegations against them that were proven false and they're going to kind of stand up, which I'm looking forward to. And 
to have Anton Fuqua has been hired as the director. So did Magnificent Seven, did Training Day. Um, most recently, he was one of the producers and directed a couple episodes of The Terminalist. So I'm... Okay. Well, and he just did that Will Smith movie, Emancipation. So I, I think he's a great pick. And just listening to his statement about why he's doing the movie and just how passionate he is about Michael and his legacy and everything else. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Like, I, I think casting will be huge, obviously. Um, yeah. Massive. <laughs> with, like, what What a, you know, I, I don't remember. And maybe you're more familiar because you're a bit closer to the property. But like when Austin Butler was cast as Elvis Presley, was there support there? And like, and then fast forward now, like a year or whatever it's been, and he's got an Oscar nom and, you know, just an unbelievable portrayal of that, that, that human. So yeah. like this must, this has got to be pretty important, but I guess it's, it's don't leap to conclusions potentially. Oh yeah. When, when whoever is cast mm-hmm. and yeah, like I, I think the, there, there's already people in the fan community that aren't very happy with the, Bohemian Rhapsody folks doing it and whatnot, and uh, even just doing a biopic on his life. Like, how do you how do you pay it all justice and whatnot? Like I said, it's a his career was like basically he was on stage and at the top of the mountain for forty five years, kind of thing. So you could do you could just do a biopic on the Jackson Five. Like you know, like that's just such a small window of of his career. Oh, and you could yeah, there'd be a whole movie just on that. Totally. Totally. So yeah, I'll be curious to see how they do it. Cause like the Elvis movie, no spoilers. Cause it kind of sets it up. Like they had a framing device of being through Colonel Parker's eyes. So you can kind of shortcut things there because it's just the things that Colonel Parker would have been privy to that they kind of focus on. And then it's also, he's on like this morphine fever dream that they set up. So, um, that's like their framing device. So I, I don't know if they'll do something like that, but uh, either way, like I'm just happy that the the guy who's he's been so maligned and slagged lately and unfairly, because we're in this kind of headline reading and that sets your truth type of yeah. society right now that uh, yeah, he'll get like a, a big stage and he'll get to have his story told. And then I know his nephew is doing, a long form docuseries and um, he's kind of hinted at being excited as some of the partners and whatnot. So I hope it's a Disney plus or a Netflix that he's partnered with to bring it to screen. And there's a couple other projects coming out too um, that will kind of fill in those gaps for people that want some more pieces or even just stuff like the square one documentary on uh, Amazon Prime and whatnot. Like, there's there is things, but yeah, I think 2023 will be uh, an amazing pivot year for uh, Michael's legacy. Did his estate just recently open up? And you know, if I can steal a line from our DC chat over the last year to to kind of control the narrative, like, have they just kind of said, "All right, we're willing to tell these stories. We're going to open up and and have the right people and the right formats tell." his story in the way that we want it and not with any sort of bias from different lenses and that. Yeah. Like they, they have been pushing back quite a bit. So like a few things that have happened is like the, the two grifters that did the whole leaving Neverland thing, like both of them were deemed to be not credible by the courts. Mm. So there's, and 
their appeals and lawsuits and all that kind of stuff were shut down and like there was sitting judges that said like you are deceptive and not credible and if you want a really amazing podcast that kind of breaks down all the allegations in detail and it's all very fact-based there's a podcast called the case for innocence podcast and um it's a mother-daughter duo and the genesis of it was the daughter was a huge michael jackson fan and that hbo doc came out and the mom was like uh i don't know um that you should be a fan and so but instead of cutting her off she has a research background and did this insane research project and so they hired some voice actors and kind of guide you through everything and it's all like it's it's incredible and like i'm considered myself to be fairly well read on all that stuff and um like i i'm astounded all the time in fact i always listen wait to listen to it until I'm like grocery shopping or whatever. Yeah. So I can kind of focus because there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, I don't even want to be driving or whatever. Cause like the, the amount of information that they put forth and whatnot is, it's truly astounding. And it's, it's all kind of fact-based and it's not always glowing and they uh, source everything on their website and whatnot. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. But yeah, to go back to your question. So like once all that stuff came out, or it came to a conclusion. Um, yeah, the estate kind of called their shots. So there's that and then they have their Broadway show where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, they've kind of worked the the whole allegation narrative into it and push back against it a little bit. And then um, the kind of the funniest part is like the executor of the estate, John Branca. We're one of the two executors. He's like, he has a TikTok channel and he goes on these rants all the time, but his TikToks are actually like f- fairly well made and whatnot as well. And so it's just this just, just bizarre thing, but I, I don't know. I kind of appreciate it, right? Because um, for me, at least, it just kind of seemed like there was never any pushback when the darkest clouds started rolling over type of thing. And mm-hmm. um, it was just people in the fan community that did a fantastic job kind of pulling the wool back from people's eyes and whatnot. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. And just even, uh, you know, they, they were able to take down even Oprah and being like, ah, look at the timing of this documentary. It just happened to come out when Harvey Weinstein was <laughs> going through his trials and travails and just had this weird funding. So they was able to show up at, uh, like, I think Venice is where they premiered it or something oh, like that. Man. So, yeah, it uh, trial by media, it seems right. It, well, and that is the another documentary that's coming out <laughs> called Michael Jackson trial by media. And yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be something else to look forward to. So with all those other projects coming out to get back to the biopic, like um, I think we're in a position where that can just be this um, kind of candy floss version of his life and his realities and everything else. And then there'll be all these other uh, pieces and resources that you can use to supplement things in a more substantive way if you, if you want. So, yeah, that's exciting stuff. It, it gets me super pumped for yourself and like the Troy and all that people that are huge fans. And to this day it's, but I'm also nervous, right? About like, there's, you talk about expectations <laughs> and mm-hmm. what this has got to live up to. Right. And like, I think that, for all the biopics that I've seen on musicians, they've all been, I haven't seen Elvis yet, mind you, but if 
by the looks of it, it's it's very good. I've enjoyed them all. And so like it's it's kind of a cool era that we're living in where you're getting all these biopics that are reasonably well done to really well done of these artists that are of of a past generation, but then being reintroduced and and exposed to a, a completely different generation, which is really cool. Yeah, no, and for me, like I said off the hop, like that's what it's all about is to just keep the the music and the legacies alive and just getting it to people in a different way, right? Like you never know what'll take off. Like the the biggest thing for Michael has been TikTok. Like he's mm-hmm. one of the biggest artists on there. And so just like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just happy that uh, folks are discovering and still enjoying and celebrating his his music and whatnot. So, if this is just something else to add to it, then sure, bring it on, bring it on. Now, Carlos, we've talked about one of your loves here with Michael Jackson. Should we jump over to talk about another one that is near and dear to you in DC? Well, yeah, we're on the final countdown for. <laughs> Yes, James Gunn's announcements and finding out what uh, what he's going to be bringing to the <laughs> bringing to bear and yeah we had Jason Momoa's interesting little Instagram video uh, I think it was like the Tuesday that we recorded the box office pool wasn't it yeah it was in and around the, it had just like come out like a couple hours before we recorded yeah so it's 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 interesting because like yeah like you said we're we're in this. Final countdown. James Gunn promised something by within the month of January, and mm-hmm. there's a recent individual on Twitter that said, "Like, are we still getting something?" And he just said, "Yes." And so we've got like seven days here from time to record until the delivery of something. But James or Jason Momoa, I should say, has kind of got in front of this stuff a little bit, and even with that Instagram video, and he's done a few interviews over the last little bit. He did one with Rap here where. He did talk about, and this is a little bit of a spoiler for for Aquaman 2, that he did indeed film two different end credit scenes with two different Batman. And he also says that, uh, I just want to get this verbatim here because he's quite the character. Uh, What do you see? He says, I'm feeling really good. Aquaman's not going anywhere. It's all right. Everything's going to be good. We're still here. And I might be dipping into some other things too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what what could be those other things there's lots of speculation about another character he could potentially be bringing to the dcu but it looks like maybe aquaman sticking around can he play two characters in the dcu i i don't think so like i i think um when he kind of talks about in that instagram video about always being aquaman or maybe it was in the interview that he did with the rap after the fact um i, I think he just means in like a spiritual sense where yeah, yeah he, he'll always be Aquaman, just like Adam West is always Batman, or Robert Downey Jr. will always be Iron Man mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but but I do think that he's moved on. I, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that he plays two characters, but I I'd be highly highly skeptical that they'd go that route. Well, and I think the character that he's meant to play is Lobo, right? Which is just going to be a ratchet up version of Jason Momoa, which Aquaman is Jason Momoa. And so it's just like turning Jason Momoa up to like 12, maybe for Lobo. Well, yeah, you you won't get kind of the restrained Jason Momoa of Aquaman. You'll get the <laughs> like yelling in the Warner Brothers head office. <laughs> Smashing uh, chairs at SDCC. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Momoa. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it'll, yeah, it probably skews a little 
closer to his uh, actual personality. And uh, I, I think it's cool that they kept him around and that they like him and um, see the value in him. And yeah, James Gunn uh, has talked about who he's uh, bringing over. And he was asked about bringing over the cast of the Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy. And he said that, yeah, he's got room for them. And when people kind of pointed fingers at him for nepotism or whatever other dumb things, he's just like, nope. All he goes, the most important thing is that people are uh, fit the roles. We have loads and loads of roles to cast. And, hundred, he's over a hundred, he said, or hundreds yeah. maybe. And that they're easy to work with. So mm-hmm. why not? Well, and I think that's the thing with James Gunn and that people have to like, he is one of the guys that every time you hear people talk about working with him, they've had like the greatest time ever, like the Guardians cast, the Peacemaker cast, like it having that trust between the actors and the creator is so important and having a non-toxic work environment is also pretty important. So you got to bring in those people you trust. And James Gunn has been known for that, right? He's plunked people out of different properties and dropped them into other roles inside of, um, well, Peacemaker, he's pulling people over into guardians and you see other people pop up in, in other things that he's done. And so like, why not? Like, and I think to your point and what James Gunn said is like, he wants to work with good people, people we can trust, people who are going to have a positive working environment. And I think if any company or any studio can benefit from that right now, it's DC. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And it's just like, and you got character actors. Like if you bring over a Dave Batista or Chris Pratt, like people like those actors. So mm-hmm. why not? If you have a good working relationship with them and if um, audiences like them, why not? And like, Nobody's saying Chris Pratt has to be Superman, but no, maybe I don't think anyone's asking for that either. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he could be Perry White. Like, I I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not to say that he has to necessarily be a costume character either, right? So, um, yeah, they could be role players, like the biggest name actors in the Dark Knight trilogy, (laughs) at least at the outset, were all bigger names than the guy playing Batman. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, and that, that's the important thing. Thing You know, people are, I think people are starting to get a bit restless with with all this, but this is the thing. I, I Even if James Gunn, if the end of January comes and goes, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. This is all for a reason. Because like they need, he needs to stick this, right? Like this first announcement, although it doesn't have to be humongous or substantial or game-changing, it just needs to set the tone. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to set off to a rocky, rocky start here, right? Like they've promised all the stuff, 10 years, you know, people, whether it's fair or not, are going to be comparing it to an MCU slate release. If you know what I mean? Like a Kevin Feige jumping up on stage. I don't know if it's going to be like that, but people are going to compare it to that. And so, yeah, I think I, I do. cognizant of that. Yeah. Like I, I do hope that we get like something more than just a Twitter post. Like I hope it's like a, uh, you know, even just like a, a a little Instagram video or or something like that, right? Like the ones mm-hmm. that like he's done them in the past. The Rock does them like freaking twice a day to advertise energy drinks, like yeah. um, <laughs> something of that nature. Like a, a couple minutes and just and just say what it is. Like, uh, what do you like? I agree with you that it doesn't have to be like this uh, five to ten year plan or anything like that, but. Um, my prediction personally, I think it'll be three movies. Mm-hmm. So Superman and two other things. And then two shows, one of which will be whatever he's been working on 
uh, up until now anyways and then maybe something that we don't know about quite yet but yeah i don't know what they'll be like i kind of suspect it'll be a, a, a the superman movie and maybe a harley and ivy movie mm-hmm. with margot robbie to kind of that's the other thing too is i think he needs to set expectations and what the paradigm is going to be yeah so um i do hope that they codify the existence of like a dc black label or um dc elseworlds mm-hmm. um uh brand where uh they can tag the batman and the batman related projects and like movies like joker and whatnot with that um yeah i think that'd be cool but uh yeah i think that that that's what my hope the announcement is is like two or three movies two shows and then um that they formalize the separation of church and state between yeah. the universe movies and the the black label fair mm-hmm. and i don't want to set expectations or anything like that but i would love something in the vein of you know how they did all that digital stuff with dc fandom and they kind of use that like you know james Gunn standing on this like fake stage and they push it behind them and then you know they oh got, yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. you know what i mean like something like that and then like a creator pops in and says oh i'm here to introduce like i'm gonna be doing superman or something just like something that has a bit of fanfare to it right mm-hmm. again when i said like setting the tone it's it's important to be like this is a big deal right this isn't like a subtle we're on a uh what do you call it earnings call and we're going to tell you about the next five movies that we may or may not get like this is a major like pivot point for that universe and it's like it's setting the foundation and it, it's got to it's got to land and so that's why i said like even if something doesn't come out by the end of january because we have to remember too this guy is like finishing what is meant to be mcu's biggest film of 2023 at the moment and also mm-hmm. planning the next 10 years of the dc cinematic universe like there's a lot on <laughs> that man's plate right now yeah you, you know what I, I got kind of excited with a couple of things you said there like i i why why don't you just use your digital stage that you used for fandom mm-hmm. right because i think they use the same one twice like yeah, or at least so. like the layout type yeah. of thing right like just that rotunda and uh you could you could even get the lady lady that was hosting it to kind of mm-hmm. do a, a q a with him and i like the idea of maybe probably not announcing casting yet but if you announce the director that you've picked for your first project out the gate yeah. i think that would be cool or if yeah, let's say the show he's been working on is an amanda waller show just have viola davis skype in or just from the... her phone you have jason momoa yelling and screaming on his phone like yeah she, she probably knows exactly what to do because she had to film so many of her peacemaker yeah. scenes that way <laughs> just, just talking head yeah there's there's lots of potential there i think i think it's gonna be great no matter what comes out but it's uh it's definitely gonna be met with either great celebration online or just like pure venom (laughs) yeah like i think uh, i don't know like having a feed that's like filled with all dc stuff like i i think um a lot of those negative sex they're there and this will be their last hurrah for um grinding axes and whatnot so the that'll be present but i think there's been like a lot of hope and optimism and Mm -hmm. people are genuinely excited and people 
you know, consciously or subconsciously kind of recognize it's like, well, we understand why you made the moves you did. Like there was no household had more heartbreak over Henry Cavill coming and going than my house. But at the same time, it's like, well, you have a wildly successful Wonder Woman movie. You have a billion dollar Aquaman movie, but yet you have a Justice League movie that fails. Um, what's kind of your common denominator in all of this, right? And mm-hmm. the guy's cameo doesn't really move the needle for uh, for an enjoyable Black Adam movie. So it's like, yeah, the, the logic is there. And I, I think anybody that wants to apply a little bit of intellectual honesty to this situation will appreciate why it, they needed to move forward, right? So 100%. buddies on Vigilante 1939 have like, couple hours of footage of me gushing over the prospect of Cavill coming back, but uh, I get why it's not happening as well. So it's all about progression. It's all about evolving and moving forward. And I can tell you with great confidence that Netflix is not buying Zack Snyder's Justice League and continuing on that franchise. <laughs> so, which is something that for those that don't run in those, those Twitter circles or whatever was something that was trending for quite a few days. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird thing. But yeah, if you uh, really want to go through the thought exercise, just try and think, why does this make sense for Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Spending the yeah the north of $200 million just to make the thing, let alone the licensing and Ugh. everything else. Why does this make sense for Netflix? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Netflix can't spend $200 million on a single property anymore. Bit absurd, but it looks like Potentially by next week, we will be chatting about the future of the DC universe on film and on TV. And I'm very excited at that prospect. But uh, we got to put uh, put a little patience into it, Carlos. And if we're not, we're not. We'll be back here talking about something different because we're here every single Thursday, guys. Talking about all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. And we thank you for, for joining us every single week. 2023 is looking to be an exciting year. We both got really hyped from the box office fantasy draft we did. And the, the competition's on. It's We've got our movies. We've got our horses. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll be posting updates on that periodically throughout the year over on Twitter. And if you want to, to be a bigger part of any of these discussions, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net YouTube channel. Guys, the box office fantasy draft is over there on YouTube, and I was talking to Ian, and we are going to have some more videos dropping. I'm about three-quarters of the way through editing my most recent one, so hopefully by Friday I'll have something up on YouTube, and we'll see that developing. We're going to do some more live streams. Finally got back into toys. I picked up some some new figures, some new pets and all that, so we're going to have a toy stream live here in the not-too-distant future, breaking down what uh, 23 looks like for us in the toy game. And so, Carlos, my friend, with all of that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm shocked that I sat here for about 10 minutes and defended Avatar, despite <laughs> usually like defending Michael. I'm, I'm well, well accustomed to, but uh, yeah, I guess that's why uh, I'm Batman. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at the TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest 
from the Nerd Room.